The Say Something Podcast is brought to you by a momentwithmorris.com and blackblueprints.com. That's blackblueprints with a Z.com. I'm Jermaine Morris here with the one and only Mr. Barry Axius. Peace and blessings, family. Yes, bringing you the newest episode of the Say Something Podcast. Say some, say some, say something. All right, so we get together as we talk about everything out here in the life, in the world, in the traffic out here in these streets. In these streets, in these streets, in these streets, yeah. <laughs> That's a remix, baby. Remix. Coming at you, we got episode number 54. Man, we finna get to that 100, man. Watch. Man, episode 54, a special dedication episode to, to, to a brother out here. Are we going back to the brothers? We gonna bounce around, you know what I'm saying? Just, go, just trying to give equal face time. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was not wrong, but inappropriate that we didn't acknowledge for the crucial part that women play yes, sir. In, in culture, society, family, and all that. So had to make sure we started giving them some shine. But uh, this this week episode dedicated to a brother. He was born in D.C. back in '48, but he spent most of his time, uh, his early years in uh, Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Southern boy went to Morehouse. Was originally studying marine biology and architecture. Like, like he was he was on his square. And while he was down there to make up some extra units, he started taking some little acting classes on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used to have a really bad stutter when he was younger, and so he used to. Uh, to get past that, he used to act like he would pretend to be other people who didn't have one. So if you knew him from when he was younger to what he sounds like now, totally different. To, to completely totally different. Uh, and he was a guy that was involved back when he was younger. Like I said, he went to Morehouse, and um, after Martin Luther King was assassinated, he was actually one of the ushers at his funeral. And he was always involved. He was a social worker down in L.A. for a minute. He was down there in 69 with uh, Stokely Carmichael when they were holding uh, the trustees hostage down there in Morehouse. Like, real, real involved dude. In uh, 76, he found himself uh, still getting his little acting stuff on. He was mentored by Morgan Freeman. Like, all the way into the 70s. Okay, you got a little history. Uh, yeah, because I, I think is I think these are people that have stories that we don't we don't highlight. We know them for a particular reason. Cause I don't know who the hell you're talking about right now. Yeah, I thought I did, but then you threw me off. In the 70s, so he had issues with his father. He saw his father like twice in life, and his father ended up dying of alcoholism. In the 70s, he developed a drug and alcohol problem himself, and kind of was, was getting a little reckless out there. Uh, which led to a full-blown addiction in the 90s. He was addicted to, to cocaine and, and alcohol. And I, think, and, I think you know. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Go had uh, several heroin overdoses. Uh, like he was like out there, out there, and had a, a resurgence of his life in like in his 40s. Like I mean, this if this story had ended at 40 years old, it would have been like a sad story of a dude who could have been somebody. Mm. But the second half of his life led to. Uh, teaming up with a particular director who saw something in him, who put him in a bunch of his films to, and really launched his career. Now, now his career was known for a different director for, for different stuff, but he was put in such movies as Jungle Fever, Do the Right Thing, School Days, Mo Better Blues. The second phase is when he was he was also in Goodfellas, he was in Juice, Minister Society, Shaft, a part of some of the greatest movie franchises, Jurassic Park, uh, Star Wars, the Avengers, Iron Man movies, nominated for almost every acting award that you can think of, from SAG to Image, Golden Globes, uh, the Academy Awards. Uh, 2016, 2015 going to 2016, he had been a part of the biggest, he was the biggest grossing actor in history. That's crazy. Shout out one time, a little love to Mr. Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Uh, that would be an incredible life story. Yeah. He's a, Definitely a bounce back. Remember yeah. when he played uh, the drug addict? That was fresh out of rehab. Yeah, it looked like it was. Yeah, that when he was playing the crack addict. He was playing his real life role. That's how he was able to tap in. Damn, that's crazy. Like fresh out of rehab, he went to he went to uh, rehab in New York City mm. and went right out of rehab, right into that part. Wow. Um, but I I look at his life because you know everybody knows him for you know whatever movie, whatever movie. I mean he's he's done over a hundred movies, voiced you know Black Dynamite, Afro Samurai, The Boondocks. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, what's in your wallet? Even got Spike Lee directing his credit card commercials. Mm. Like uh, I mean, Spike Lee's doing them credit card. Spike Lee direct he when he got the gig. He set it up that Spike Lee is the director for for his cars because that's mm. that's the homie, that's, <laughs> you know that's the dude who got him in the game. So he made sure so Spike Lee directs his credit card commercials. That's crazy. And you know we look at people where they are at certain periods of life. Mm-hmm. You know if you looked at him when he was younger, you're like, oh this dude he wants to go to Morehouse, study marine biology, <laughs> fell back on architecture. This dude is gonna be somebody. He was involved in the struggle. He was involved in in the uh, down south, I mean, linking up with some real radical dudes, uh, and they were like, "Okay, maybe he's this." Then, if you saw him at one point in time, where where drugs and alcohol really got a, a grip on him, yeah, this is a sad story. This dude's life is over, and he's washed. You yeah. see him now, you would never be able to tell that none of that. And I and I think that sometimes we have to pay attention to people that we're not so quick to just either praise them completely because their story's not written, mm-hmm. or just write them off. Cause their story's not written. Yes, sir. You know, we tell you, like I said, he was in his forties before he really got his break. That's and, crazy. And we write folks off at seventeen. Oh man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know saying? Like you drop out in the ninth grade, you got somebody got pregnant at sixteen, you can't seem to figure out a job at seven. Oh, he but, 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 but but I mean, to be honest with you, it takes that inside of you before it takes an outside of the world. Of course yeah. the world is gonna see and assume what it's gonna be, but in reality Individuals that go through those kind of transformations, because I've went through a transformation, not quite like Samuel Jackson, but um, definitely it was um, shit, rigorous. I believe that if it's not inside of you, if you yeah. don't want to, because at, at this particular point, people are going to write you off as well as they should, because I, I just don't see any uh, positive results when folks have gone that far off, right? Yeah. And have uh, assumed a position. Of brokenness to the point to where it looks bad, bad. I mean, think about it. How many folks can you talk about in a in a, in a moment of clarity that came from the crack era, right? Yeah. That was addicted to those drugs at that particular time that are just flourishing right now. It ain't that many. Yeah, it's mean? a small number. It is a very small number because if you was in deep, you was in deep, and um, because that was a hell of a fucking drug, bro. God damn. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, they talk about the opium and all that shit right now. Ah, it still doesn't level out to what the government did to help spread uh, crack cocaine, right? No. So, I think that if you don't have that that self-motivation, right, that clarity in your mind to see, um, man, I could be that, and then a few accountability partners, a few folks that yeah, you can lean on. Definitely, right um, woman, same woman you with today. Wow, that's crazy. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. If, if if you have that, then there is a window of opportunity, but it always comes from you first. Yeah, because like so on that part, the, the woman he met back in the seventy, he met his wife like in seventy six. 
Okay. So he's saying whatever. And through the rehab stuff, through the ups, downs, the stumbling, falling, she was right. You know, I'm a firm believer in the stability. Like, like we don't give enough credit to, to that home stability and your helpmate no, and who you choose. Yeah. And for him, uh, I agree with you completely because I look at it. What was that Jay-Z line? Uh, you could try to change, but that's the top layer. Man, mm-hmm. you was who you was before you got here. Yeah. Like all those little external things that you try to adjust and compensate for. If it ain't you to start with, because it takes a lot. You got to have a lot of wherewithal, a lot of belief in yourself, a lot of determination to come back from any of them points. Yeah. You know, it's that his father passed due to alcoholism. And that was the first bout. Mm-hmm. I mean, then several heroin overdoses. Yeah. Like, <laughs> then going into the crack cocaine era. Yeah, so, so, I, <laughs> so he got the mixture of the heroin, which was crazy back in the, um, what, 60s, 70s. Hey, seven, uh, cocaine, alcohol in the 70s. Jumped okay. into the 80s to the heroin. And then, so then to the, the, the heroin mix, mix uh, then the heroin was a mix of then cocaine, crack. Because that, crack came in into the eighties, in the late eighties, foot and, going um, into heading up to the nineties. Yeah, Golly. yeah, yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> but then again, but then again, um, some of these wounds were self inflicted wounds for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes into it, and I think that's what we have to also recognize that as much as we know um, the trauma of just being black in America, and at the same particular time. Um, mental illness in a black community that we don't talk about. Yeah. We don't like a Negro tell you he depressed. Like Negro, you you crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I can't be depressed. Like there's some depressing shit. It was almost almost like we have to have um, this uh, armor, like Iron Man or something, where you couldn't even talk about real emotions and real feelings. And if you did, depending on the certain friend you talked to it about. When you guys have a session of capping, as we used to call it back in the day, yeah. all your business is being exploited, yeah. right? And next thing you know, um, that's why you was peeing in the bed because because your mama died, exactly. like you know. And then like, oh, thanks, and that's when you want to go kick somebody's ass, yeah. and then you suppress after that. After that, that's a one and done. That's a one and done. Never again. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay, cool. I'm not gonna ever allow myself. So we move around with armor that, um, really, to be honest with you, creates. A unhealthy way of moving through life. Extremely unhealthy. Because I've had to deal with being honest with myself and saying I've battled depression. I battle it to this day in a sense of there's moments where I'm high and there's moments when I'm no. low, right? Um, but not taking the low to the point of like seeing it. And it's not even because of things around me. Because generally a, a person would look at my life and be like, yo, why would you be depressed? You got everything is good. There's each internal things that you're always fighting. Layers. There's layers. There's, layers. layers. there's things like, ah, man, I wish I was this. I, I, I should have did that. I, uh, Well, damn, my, my hairline is going back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's plenty of things that can get you depressed. And, and I can't say anything is um, foolish in a sense of what a person say, well, I'm still going through the fact that my mom died 14 years ago, right? And you yeah. look at it like, well, that was 14 years ago. You can't. <laughs> Take someone's relationship with their mother, whoever, and and just make it kind of nonchalant. Like uh, my sister, you know, she lost her nephew, and of course that's not my, my sister by blood, but that's my, my sister by yeah. you know, friendship and, and just 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 real. She's lost her son, which is my nephew, two thousand nine, but she's never been the same. You no, know, yeah. it's two thousand eighteen. Uh, he helped start the voice of the youth, and of, of course 
I continued to move move it forward and you know she stumbled and stumbled and I used to be frustrated but then I had to get outside of my box and look at it like had my daughter died at age 19 right yeah I don't know where I would be I would my daughter pass away right now you know yeah, what I'm saying every like, birthday is a reminder every holiday every time you walk past the living room and see a picture every time every you time you movie. try to talk to a kid yeah, or yeah. help a kid so um like Depression is a very serious um, thing. Mental illness in the black community is a very serious thing that I think that we uh, try to sweep under the rug. And that's another reason why I I speak so much about these kind of subjects as well as the mental illness that plagues us because of, um, you know, the things that we've gone through throughout history. You know, if you think about black, uh, a black person's history in America, it has always been with struggle, strife, and someone putting their 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 feet on our throat because who in the right mind would ever like move drugs that were so addictive in a community just to see that community be destroyed? Yeah. Who would go over and bomb a community just to see a community not flourish? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like all these different things. Who would holes get dogs hang people that just want like the common rights of everyone else because of the color of their skin we have gone through that traumatic experience all through history but in the same particular time let's just talk about the surface things like that again the eternal things when you're just looking at yourself like oh damn I may not have the best reading ability or I wish I was a little bit taller or man, I feel depressed because I feel like I'm ugly and other people think that I look good, but I feel like I'm ugly. I got hella zits. It's all these other different things. Yeah, there's, 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 I mean, we, so I was having a discussion with somebody not too long ago and they were talking about feelings and emotions and asking about, well, you know, men aren't supposed to have feelings. Men aren't supposed to be emotional. Well, the narrative. Yeah. And, and I was like, I said, I don't buy into that. And she was a woman. She's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, first off, let's be clear. I said, uh, being in your feelings is normal. I said, being angry is being emotional. Mm-hmm. I said, being happy is emotional. But don't nobody ever talk mess about the dude who laughs too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's particular emotions that people sit there and tell you you're not supposed to feel. And I said, like, I don't buy into that. I mean, that's where the repression, that's where the, the building stuff up is. Is like, and forget society's things. We don't allow ourselves to feel. Yeah. Sometimes we create uh, these these fears of what the repercussions would be for expressing our emotions that aren't even real. Mm-hmm. Like we are so worried about somebody laughing at us or talking mess about us. When ain't nobody, you may actually be even in a supportive room or a supportive environment. People who would actually help you if you reached out. But we've gotten to the point where we're so conditioned mm-hmm. and so worried about what we would look like or our, our image would be destroyed or However, we may just be holding it together just enough. And, and I couldn't deal with, you know, somebody, you know, roasting me for talking about something like that. So we, we keep it in sometimes unnecessarily. And those things turn into major problems. You know that that and even if it's not as serious to say losing a child, I mean, keeping it 100. I mean, you could lose that job you really cared about, bro. I lost one of my jobs and I was depressed. Yeah, like I said, like we try to act like, <laughs> oh man, f that job. I don't, yeah, I don't care about I, that. And because you know what, the thing about it is, when you have all your security in that job, yeah, and you've dedicated your life for that job, and I remember I finally got to a place 
where it was like, I'm finally the man. Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I'm in a position of power. And, man, they had me up out of here so fast, bro. And I remember saying what you just said, F that job or whatever like that. Yeah, but there's people who, this is what you, you went to school for. Yeah. This is what you, you worked your way up for. Like, there are people, as much as you know, the little memes on the internet, there are people who look forward to going to work. Yeah. There are people who love their coworkers. Yeah. They feel accomplished at their position. Then all of a sudden, layoffs or, or you know, uh, Go across the country, all the Walmarts and Sears and all that stuff closing and, and big departments being downsized. There are people who have been at their job 15 years and they love everybody. And this, and then you, you're told, don't come in tomorrow. <laughs> that hurts. Not only for what your the, 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 the job pays, what it takes care of. Yeah. But but this is this is that job was a testament to, to your studying, mm-hmm. to your working hard, to mm-hmm. your moving your way up. Now it's gone. That relationship, you know. Women, it's a little more socially accepted yeah. to, to go through that, you know, watching the notebook or waiting to exhale, mm-hmm. crying on the couch with some Hagen dazs and, and, and working it out. Nah, that, that's socially acceptable for a Negro. woman. Oh, no, nah, don't let it not do it. Male. Man, you know, these hoes ain't loyal. Yeah. You better come on with me to the club. Yeah. Or, or you giving a 24, if, 24 hour window. If you were dating, we'll give you 48 hours if you were married. Like, like, I, I, I'll be here for you for a day, dog. I'll sit with you for a weekend. But Monday come around, we got to get back to life. And there's dudes who are married 5, 10, 15 years, and they're told, you know, ain't nobody got time for you anymore for a weekend. You know, you're supposed to be over that by now. You still tripping off that broad? You still, you know, and yeah. Yeah, there's dudes, they're 45-year-old men walking around right now still hung up on the girl that broke their heart when he was 15. <laughs> for real. Like... <laughs> Tina from the tenth grade is still got a little got a little thorn yeah. in there that that thing never really processed. I I I I had a girl that did did me dirty what in eighth grade and I let women suffer for that for like fifteen <laughs> years. <laughs> Everybody catching hell from that middle oh, school man. fiasco. That middle, that middle school love or that teenage love will take you to places that you never ever thought your life would be. Right? Yeah. You know I mean? It's just it's just society. And I feel black people, we have this sense of not demonstrating emotions or counterplaying emotions as weakness when most of the men that I know are most the most emotional type of beings, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of the reasons why a lot of things are going on as rampant as they are ha- happening is because we have been lost in our emotions and, you know, the sensitivity. And I, I know I make jokes of sometimes people being too sensitive on certain levels. And I, and I think that there is a certain sensitivity, but I don't mind. Um, I think there's strength in being sensitive, but in a sense of when you're overly sensitive and you're, you're reactionary over everything, yeah. I think that's when it becomes a, a bigger issue. It's okay to have sensitivity, but then it's just like, oh... You can't say nothing to you without yeah, you taking offense. Because I think what people get confused sometimes is being sensitive, like little quote unquote. That we always, I mean, you sensitive. All sensitive means is that you're you're aware to it. You know what I mean? Like like you, you something happened and it hit your radar. Like that, some people who are who are insensitive is, is you can just say and do whatever, and the repercussions of your words don't hit your radar. Like I'm just gonna say what I'm gonna say, and, and I'm gonna keep it moving. If if you if somebody's feelings was hurt, whatever. If somebody was angry, don't care. If somebody, you know, that's just insensitive. Like I'm just completely oblivious to where my words fall. Yeah. Sensitive, 
you, you know where they all fell. Mm. You know, you, now that doesn't mean, well, because I'm aware of your pain or I'm aware of how somebody can take this or I'm aware of how that affects people. That doesn't mean I'm in the corner crying. It just means I, I'm I'm in tune with what's going on around me. And we try to tell we try to talk people out of that, especially young men. Yeah. You know, I mean, you quit being sensitive. You need to quit being aware of everybody's feelings. Yeah. You need to quit internalizing everything going on in this room. You need yeah. to just quit caring what I say to you unless it's what I want you to care about when I say it to you. Yeah. Like I'm, when I'm going to tell you to do something, I want you to internalize it and run. Yeah. But when I say something negative to you, I want you to dismiss it and not care. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think Fences with Denzel Washington is kind of like a movie that recognizes the emotions of what a black man go through. Yeah. From the moment of what you thought you were going to be, what you were working up to be, but then never ever become it. Yeah. Right. And then dealing with um the shadow of who you used to be and the anger and resentment of now how your life is and having those moments where you know you weren't capable maybe of doing certain things because you just didn't have the ability to. Yeah. Right. I think that and being so angry with everyone around Having uh, you know a side piece, uh, being frustrated and having that male um, turbulent relationship, I think that a lot of black men have with their fathers, you yeah. know, in the household or outside the household. household. It just it defines um, that movie. If you haven't seen it, and you, you talk about Academy, the, I haven't seen the Denzel version, but I've seen the yeah, play. The Denzel version is dope. Um, that just kind of really defines currently, even though that was an older movie. Currently. What the black male goes through, and I think that there's probably more added pieces, yeah. you know, because of course society seems and deems us one way. Um, our black women need us a certain way, and then our brothers, you know, they look at us a certain way. Yeah. You know? I found myself as I've gone and developed my life trail to be able to cut people off because they assumed that this is what I had to be when I had to start figuring out who I wanted to be. Yeah, I think that when we, I think that's that's a really important piece when we start looking at uh, our our family. I think I was fortunate when I was younger, like late teens, going into my twenties. I started asking my family where we came from, like asking you know my parents, my grandparents, like who were you before you were somebody's mom and dad? Do you know what I mean? Like what did you want to do with your? I think we have a lot of times where we only were self centered that way, where people are only who they are to us. Yeah, we forget that your fifty year old father. Had goals and aspirations that had nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? Mama planned on going to college to be a doctor, but she got pregnant yeah. at 19 and decided to get married and stay home and be a housewife. You know, yeah. it, daddy looks at you and all your promise, all your abilities, all you know, the stuff that you get, and he sees the younger version of himself yeah. that he will never be because he's a father to you. Ooh. You're saying like this? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a hard line of a parent, you know, yeah. your disappointment level when you look at your child and, you know, um, being everything that you wanted to be and, and surpassing you. Some parents feel good about that because um, there's ultimate love. Some parents are bitter. Some are just frustrated that you can never get to the height because you weren't even close to the height. But I've actually, you know, I love my daughter's um, uh, kind of calipotent to whoever she is now trying to be definitely not me yeah. but she's being herself of course she has my certain traits of me but um like 
I love her transition. You know what I'm saying? I'm 18 years old. I, I, I was a freaking train wreck in where she was able to be in college. And definitely as parents, you take those wins. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially when you know the sacrifices that you've made and the things that you invested in. When you hear them now, older, bringing it up. Yeah. Right? Well, you think so, that it was in one ear and out the other. Yeah, yeah. So they bring it up. They recognize it. are like, oh, they did. she was paying attention. Yeah, and, and, and she shared something that was real to me. Because, um, you know, me and my daughter, we always speak. We always holler. We were real talk and shit. Like, besides us traveling. Um, she shared, she said, I said, um, so what, I mean, you would have still wanted me as your father if I wasn't around. She said, yeah, she's all, but I see my girlfriends and how they respond to their absentee dad when he does or show up. Yeah. I know I would be bitter towards you. I would of course want you cause you're my dad, my yeah. father, but I would be, have some bitterness. I wouldn't really like you like that. I was like, yeah. damn. I, th- I think, <laughs> see, I, I think that that's important. We have uh, a lot of parents who, who care a lot about their kids liking them. Mm. Like they want to be their friend, their kid's buddy, their pal. We can kick it. And their kids like them, but they don't respect them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and to the other end, we have a bunch of adults who are like, I want you to respect me. And the kids don't like them. Yeah. You know, I, I think that that's a very important piece if you can be a parent and get both. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and, and, that, and, I, and I think that's something that, you know, we have to kind of jump into. But I, I believe that, you know, as a parent and just watching her, you know, move and navigate, not not pregnant. Me and her mom had her, you know, young, uh, 21, still on a mission of being able to find herself and growing and, and doing the things that, you know, I'm not necessarily I didn't pick it for her. She picked it for herself, but helping her channel those things, but also telling her to get, get a real um, idea of what you really want to do. I I appreciate where she's at, yeah. but also I understand that she appreciates that I've gone on the journey with her. When my dad, when I turned 18, it was over. Yeah, that's the when you turn 18, you're done. It was like, done. It was figured like, out. You know, Good luck. To, peace unto you. Uh, I, I, you know, I can't I can't name. <laughs> Anything my father did except gave me some money, like one particular time to get a car, you know, with, you know, five hundred some dollars, whatever. That you know, five hundred dollars was big back then. Yeah. Um, that was your but, down payment in, uh, in, was, in a full yeah, tank. Yeah, was, yeah, shit. Came out there with a thousand, like what? Yeah. But um, besides that, bro, like no vacations and then things of that nature. And I think that's what parents miss. A lot. I know that we, we we're going off course on the show, but I, I just you know me. I have really, to sometimes speak really. on it yeah. on a level of. I think sometimes we find ourselves in this rat race trying to overcompensate for things that our kids may lack when really the reality of our kids, they lack the time. Because I, I was cold. I was um, I was sitting down talking to somebody and I was just like, me and my boy actually, we were sitting having some real talk. My accountability partner shouts out to my dude, Pierre Harper. And we were talking about just, you know, our kids and we were just talking about parenting, you know, because we both work with the, the young youth. He kind of does his thing, um, case management. And, of course, you know, we do our thing with Voice of the Youth. And I was like, think about how society has created this unnormal balance where a majority of the time, you know, your kid um, spends maybe eight to 11 hours at uh, some kind of school because yeah. of extra activities. In the morning to school morning. to the after school yeah, to the finally, finally, finally walk back in the, in the door. Then yeah. you, as an adult trying to make ends meet, you're spending about, you know, the, the same eight to 11 kind of hours. Average is about overtime. 52 hours a week out the home, commute, commute with your job. And then 
here y'all two are supposed to come into this household not really understanding the principalities of what you're going through or what I'm going through. The parent stressing off the community bills, you know, making sure the, 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 the you know, the lights, the house, getting the food, uh, preparing themselves to continue to help move you and navigate yeah. yourself to a better place. You as a child going through the stresses of peer pressure, um, trying to make these grades to elevate yourself to what they say is going to be a better life. Yeah. And then all of the things that school brings up that your parent wouldn't understand in a sense of, yes, they've been there before, but times change, people change, yeah, things yeah. a little bit different. Um, then you guys come back. Where do you guys have that real moment to really um, release and get to understand each other, get to know each other, and get to build off of whatever was going on to really see who each other is? Because by the time you get home, it's like a routine. Yeah. It's dinner, um, shower, take a homework, get ready. Two people come back to each other exhausted. Yeah, 30 minutes maybe in the morning. Between homework, getting off, you may see 90 minutes at night, and I'll catch you on the weekends. Their irritation and <laughs> yeah. your irritation collide, yeah. right? Because your frustration on the job or the grind, that child's frustration on the school, on their grind. And here is the, 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 the thing that I think I probably messed up when I was as a parent. I didn't look at my child's grind as if it was insignificant because you weren't paying the bills. Yeah. You ain't got to worry about this. But in the same particular time, damn, these kids are grinding just as hard because they're trying to keep into the status quo yeah. to society and try to keep up with the Joneses because if they're not leveled as an A or B, they may now become below average if they're a C, D, and F. And so the, that's the stress level right there. And the social aspects to where these kids are trying to identify who they are. Yes. Their their peers are, I mean, they're in a situation to where all it takes is for, you know, one slip up. You know, you, you, you slip and fall and get some mud or something on your shoes as a child. And, you, and you're labeled and branded from now on. You know, it, it doesn't take much to sit there and be upset as a kid. To, to, to have to go through those struggles. And I think that we do look at that as, as adults. We sit there and say, well, you don't pay no bills. You got nothing on the rent. You don't, you know, you ain't worry about this car note or, yes. or putting food in anybody's stomach. So I don't want to hear about your little kid complaints as opposed to my real world problems. And that becomes the issue. And to, to just make the point, it's just because of that disconnection, I think that where we lose ourselves um, as parents, where we lose ourselves as, you know, our youth. We don't identify that we are all coming from traumatic experiences from the job to the school. Yeah. And we're bringing it back to the household. And if you don't balance that out to kind of figure it out and to level it to where the experiences and some kids shouldn't know everything. I think sometimes yeah. you need to kind of shouldn't keep have that to a level. relationship heart but, to heart with your nine year old. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time. There has to be a foundation to understand it. And if there's a foundation to understand it, I think we become not only better parents, we become better people in society. And you have a better relationship with the parent and the child because a lot of times you can drift off and never see these moments. And I think we lose our kids when we don't see their moments and our parents lose a sense of, dang, I just kind of was pushing my child to be an athlete and that dude or that girl was never that. Yeah, they wanted the science fair. There you go. Because I think something that we look at is well, empathy and compassion are not something that are really stressed enough. 
And I think a big problem that we have is that uh, a traumatic incident, like what it is, what it means and what it means to the other person, that we look at trauma our own as it's important, but not somebody else. Because keep it real, if you were 10 years old in school and you, you know, you wet yourself at school, you know, that's traumatic for you. Mm-hmm. You don't ever forget that. But if that was your child, it may hit your radar once upon a time. Like you may remember it for a second, but you don't carry it around like they carry it around. You know, if, if you got in a fight after school and you took a L, you know, other people may remember it when they bring it up to fight with you. But you remember getting your nose busted open and everybody pointing and laughing and ridicule from now on. I don't think that we have enough compassion or empathy to other people's <coughs> problems or to address somebody else's situation. Like we look at it like, oh, that was that was just nothing. They'll laugh mm-hmm. about it for a week and move on. But to you, you're horrified for, for the next 10 years. Yes. You know, and, and that lack of that lack of compassion and yeah. empathy that we have for other people's struggle, for yeah. other people's situation. Because it's real easy as an adult if you're worrying about the mortgage oh, and, yeah. and you forget about and that. all that. Well, to weigh it out. So they're laughing at you. Yeah. What big deal. Yeah. You know, but to a twelve year old, that's everything. That's everything. Yeah. And when you don't, and then like I said, the moments you have when we talk about the scheduling, the moments you have to really be able to tie in and fix that. Yeah. Like where are those moments? Because at that particular time, Johnny comes in the car and wants to talk about this situation. But then you also have to talk about Johnny's project. You also have to worry about the project that's due for you. Yeah. You also have to worry about like, damn, I got to run over here and pay the mortgage. You also have to worry about, wait, we still need to get some food. Yeah. And Johnny wanting to talk to you about that girl who broke his heart in the ninth grade is not what the conversation you want to have because you want to talk about Johnny getting that D in math. There you go. And so you're sitting there saying, I'm not trying to hear about you telling me about no little girl. I don't give a damn. Why you got this D in science. Yeah, I don't give two dams about none of that. But, the, I, but it, the reality is Johnny got the D in science because he got heartbroken over the little girl. There you go. <laughs> so when you have that breakdown where you have two energies coming into a household that don't particularly really understand anything about what each other is going through yeah. from the parents' end to the uh, uh, um, child's end. And they're coming with this trauma. They come and bring it back home. And they only have but a few hours to work it all out. And everybody's trying to get, well, I need to say this. I need to say that. But then again, with a child, a child's place is a child's place. And the adult is always going to get the last word. You're never really able to kind of really move and navigate and really getting a true understanding of where we need to move from there. Yeah, because you, as the adult, you're getting the last word, the first word, and pretty much 90% of the ones in between. And your child that wants to come home and address something emotional when they didn't do the dishes like you told them in the morning. They didn't vacuum the floor like they was told to. You know, they didn't take out the trash. They didn't study or, or, or do all those responsibilities that where they feel about something emotionally gets put at the very bottom of the list of all the stuff that you want to hear about. Like we'll address your problems, your concerns, your cares and all that after we address the the responsibilities that, that you were supposed to take care of. I don't want to hear about your little friends. I don't want to hear about your little feelings. I don't want to hear about none of that until we start taking care of some of these responsibilities that I told you to do this morning. We just have to start making it very important. You know, we start taking in consideration what what people are feeling as opposed to just what we need them to do. Yes, sir. Yeah, I definitely understand that. I, I, if we don't take in consideration, I think those ideas and those thoughts of other folks and 
what people are dealing with, especially on a, <coughs> I think, parent level, we should also recognize and understand that our kids are going through a whole lot of stuff. Our kids don't know what we go through as adults because they've never been adults before, even though yeah. some have the attitude like they have been. But recognizing that and, and, and really figuring out a balance of time, <coughs> even though in society they're 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 crunching the time, bro. Yeah. To where you lose yourself trying to think that you're doing things for your child to better their future when in reality you're doing things to maybe lose your child in the end. Yeah, I think sometimes that that <coughs> thing of uh, I'm never home for you. That ain't good. I'm, I'm working all the time for you. That ain't good. You know, I you see me once a week for three hours, but I'm but I'm gone. But it's for you. That and, ain't good. And as you get older, then you can't figure out to see why. You see how it plays out as adults. Think about how many people have grown kids now who they never hear from. No. You know, you never call, you never visit, you never do anything. Yeah, because I didn't grow up in an environment that said that was important. Like I remember being a kid and and. You know, my parents was notorious for when relatives called, tell them I ain't here. If that's your grandma, tell her I ain't here. You know, <laughs> if, if that's, you know, because they was trying to have their own little downtime and do their own thing. And we grew up not having that attachment and connection. We're not phone call people like my siblings. We're not we're not one to sit on the phone with a relative for two, three hours, just chopping it up because we don't come from that environment. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. I, I think that those things are, are, are important to watch. You know, there's a lot of folks out there, and even when you're not talking about kids, you know, that degree of compassion and empathy for just what the next man or woman is going through. Yeah. You know, you can't. There's a reason why, you know, Johnny's not maybe on the ball at the job right now. Mm-hmm. And you just don't care because he's not getting his workload finished. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, she was a crappy waitress. Yeah, but maybe, maybe her, her son's in the hospital. Mm. She's a little distracted. Mm. Like, we we have a very self-centered mentality here in this country to where it's just about me. All about me, baby. Yeah, what, what I need, what I'm going through. Is, I paid you for this. I don't care about your problems. You know, I, you know, a la Kaepernick situation. I came here to be entertained. I don't care about your social issues. It's all about me, baby. Yeah, you know, damn what you're going through. You know, we, we have that real mentality that we just, we adapt too much to too many things. And then we want to get all in our feelings when nobody hears our plight. It's all about <laughs> me, baby. Yeah, you know, when we try to stress what we're going through, you don't know the struggles. You don't know the problems. You don't know the discrimination. You don't. Yeah, but just like you didn't care that her kid was sick or you didn't care that he was going through a divorce or you didn't care that that, that all, all the people that came in your day to day life that you gave zero F's about what was their conditions or their their cause for concern. Now you want everybody to be concerned with what's going on with you. All about me, baby. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I'm saying, like, I, I think that if if we practiced more compassion and empathy to other people, it would naturally be reciprocated more because it would be more common. Mm-hmm. And then I think you get more of a valid leg to stand on. When you want a group that doesn't know your struggle or your plight, you're like, look, this is what I'm going through. This is what our problem is, our issues. You know, you should be concerned. Yeah, but there ain't no part about your life. Everything I watch you do as an individual is selfish and self-centered. Everybody wants to be validated. Yeah. So when a folk, a person is not validated, 
and their feelings, their emotions, their um, the things that they're doing. Um, and that and I, that that has always been, I think, the issue of Black America um, reaching to White America to get validation. Like yeah. we've done this. Come on, we've gone through this, and is this good enough? It's like give me the validation. That's why we get so excited about the Oscars, yeah. the Grammys. You know, when in reality we should be feeling validated by our own selves. You know, creating our own entities. But it, like we said before, I think we said it in the last um, show. If it's not a, a crossover. And meaning crossover mainstream, meaning mainstream, meaning white, yeah. right? If they're not validating it, it just becomes a thing to where it's not as important, right? You validated yeah. when you get a degree. That's the way I feel smart. And then come to find out some of those people that got degrees are just some of the dumbest people ever. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, what's worse is you find out somebody got an honorary degree for something you paid six figures of student loans for. Man. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 he's an honorary doctor for, for in education. You mean that thing I had to go to school for eight years for to get? You just gave an honorary one to him? Yeah. Uh oh. I hear him. I rep. Uh oh. The choir. Is that Cruflo? Uh, I don't know, but somebody's making dollars. If you're hearing in the background, you know, as we're being aware and, and, and mindful of other situations, there's a, a church choir and some, and some church going on. So uh, if you hear, if you all of a sudden, if you feel the spirit, <laughs> if you feel your toes get to tapping, you know, and, and, and fingers get to clapping. Yeah. You feel with the Holy Ghost. That, that might be where that's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know any church songs. Whole family. I got a bunch of pastors and church folks. I'm still walking that heathen path. So I don't even. I don't even I'm just not even a heathen path. I just think that it just. You know, what's not for me is not for me. And what I don't recognize to be my truth is not my truth. And what I deem to say, I don't understand. I just don't understand. Yeah. And I leave it at that. So, Super Bowl. Yeah. Your prediction. I whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. You're not even supposed to have a prediction because you're not supposed no, to be my, watching my answer Super was, you see what your prediction said. My answer is, I won't, my prediction nah, is I won't be watching it. So, you just, so, you, so you've been boycotting this whole I haven't seen one game there's been some places I've been let's where it's been in the background can I give you let's get the, the, the oh. <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate it but I'm not one of them that was it wasn't a, a Kaepernick um, boycott mm-hmm. to me I was over the NFL this season so before it before the season started not only the the, the, the Kaepernick stuff that was going on but I, I was I hated the way they handled the Ezekiel Elliott situation. Uh, just the way that, uh, just all the, the the dirty stuff that was coming out about the league. The way that just, it just the way they were moving as an entity long before. Like I was over the league before the season started, mm-hmm. so I was just like, I'm cool. You know, I was just, <laughs> I'm you, cool, and I and I've been cool the whole year. Like understand this as sports, and commonly every no. Not, it's every sport. It is a business. Yeah. Capitalism at its greatest point. And when just moving away from the Super Bowl for 2.5 seconds, when you see Blake Griffin, who they traded all the guys um, that were probably subject to having that dysfunction in the Clippers with Blake Griffin, and they said, you know, Blake, you're our star. We're going to roll with you. And he gets traded to the Detroit Pistons out yeah. of all teams. The Detroit Pistons. Not even a team to where there's a significant, uh, like, 
contendership. Maybe yeah, the Washington yeah. Wizards, freaking the Cavs, yeah. Celtics. Um, you know, some team to where you could be like, okay, well, you know, he's he's gone there. San Antonio. He gets traded to Detroit Pistons. Yeah. And the fact that how he found out was just revealing. Then you go back into the football field. And Kurt Cousins, who's got a franchise tag on him for two years. He played yeah. with that. Made a lot of money, but still franchise yeah, tag. Still don't know where you're going to go. To hear that they traded to get Alex Smith, basically his predecessor, as he came back working out from the gym. Not them calling or talking, saying this is the move we're going to make. Yeah. I don't want nobody ever in their life to ever talk to me about loyalty. And I think people need to apologize to LeBron James, who when he decided to take his talents to South Beach, everybody made a big fuss about how he did it. When the reality is these people do whatever they want, however they want to do when it is best for their business. Yeah. So when we look at the Super Bowl, <clears throat> first of all, let's, let's stop talking about the boycott. Let's stop talking about um, and if, uh, folks who say, oh, I, you know, I haven't watched one game. Listen, here's a trophy. Not that serious. Yeah. Super Bowl will make ratings because it is a branded holiday in America. Yeah, NFL the is the biggest. The, the Super biggest Bowl, franchise. bro. Stores are closed right now because of the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Right? Super Bowl Sunday is, is an American holiday. So, regardless of, of, of whatever standard that folks want to walk into and fall into and, and say, that the only way the NFL um, is dismantled or kind of is not at the height and the peak it's going to be some more tragic incidents having to happen and that people are just going to have to go away from the game and there's going to have to be another game that takes people's attentions away. The, the only thing that's going to happen, it's not going to be social issues. You're going to have to get... Um, it's definitely not going to be the players walking away from the money. No, it's going to be the more onset of these CTE issues. Okay. So when you start getting more and more conclusive medical evidence that's showing that these kids are getting all this detrimental brain damage... And dysfunction, which leads to irrational behavior, mood swings, depression, anxiety, and anger. As more and more of that information comes out, and they're going to have to fundamentally – they already started with kids. Like if you got kids who are playing football now, they've changed the way that you tackle. <laughs> like they've changed the fundamental ways that, that the game is – they started with the six-year-olds. Mm-hmm. So by the time we fast forward 15, 20 years, we'll have a different tactic and try to reduce on the injuries. But let them get a few more – conclusive evidence in because they're going back to guys who played in the 80s and the 90s and they're starting to test them and they're saying okay we got some stuff but we can't 100% claim that because we weren't testing for that stuff back then like this so now you got the guys who played in the early from 2000 to 2010 they've been testing those guys now they're starting to get okay much more conclusive evidence now so from 2010 to 2020, 2025, they got state-of-the-art testing and mapping on these guys because now they're starting to do CTE testing in college. So they're going to be able to get a good gauge of how much you got playing professionally. When that evidence starts to come back and these large class-action lawsuits start coming out and major bread is being broken off, then you're going to see the way the game is played different, and then you may see a different in interest. 
Like people are like, this ain't this ain't football. Yeah. Like that, I just don't. For the same reason why a lot of folks don't watch heavyweight boxing anymore. Yeah. It's just not competitive. Not at all. You know what I mean? So it's just like it's just. And they don't have the characters that can kind of. Yeah, it's just not as interesting yeah. anymore. So then it's like this is not really contact. They're not really hitting anybody. This is damn near. It's like a Pro Bowl. It's damn near flag football. Yeah. And then you might see the numbers decrease because it's just not as entertaining a game. And soccer comes in. And yeah, and it's just, it, but it's not right. going to be because of of somebody's social justice no. issues. It's mm. not going to be because well, he was taking a knee. I didn't watch. <coughs> it's going to be like it's just not worth watching for me anymore. Yeah, and I think that with that, um, the big part of what Colin Kaepernick just showed that niggles are not ready to leave the plantation. So um, thank you for that. That the check is more important than any civil. Um, justice any uh black people dying then at the same particular point when you look at these sports and then you realize like how much money goes into like an event like the super bowl right yeah. i even hear that justin timberlake is supposed to have like a hologram prince like come on man yeah i mean three million to five million dollars for a 30 second commercial and bro uh, like, i mean just <laughs> dollars make sense so when I look at the Super Bowl and I think this is why college athletes probably will never get paid because just what you hit on with all of this um, technology finding out with, with, with sports like football, the increasing amount of health issues you have after the fact. Yeah. Right. Um, the duration of you playing an Ironman uh, uh, career, so yeah. to speak, if they play, if they pay, excuse me, the players. They pay the players in college. Yeah. And you would have to think about it. now you pay the players, the players can get insurance. Mm-hmm. Imagine now the kind of athletes you may possibly get. Because let's say if I, as a college player, made $100,000 in one college football you know, season. You're five years, whatever. Right? No, just one season. Just one oh, season. just one season. Just one season. I accumulated hundred thousand because now if I'm paying, getting paid, yeah. I should now be able to um, contract. Oh yeah. Oh, once you're able my, to, to create, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Your so, Nike. Oh, you pay even more than that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Your shoe deal. So, your, your, and your we're talking about college has the college is just giving them a hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now with endorsements and all these other different things that they miss out on, yeah. right? Now let's say. That one year, in endorsements, I get over maybe five million dollars. Yeah, hundred thousand for playing, five millions for endorsement, and I pretty much have a solid brain on my head, mm-hmm. and I know the wear and tear of this sport. Why? Why go? Why would I go? To the league? So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why go to the league? <laughs> so in the reality, when you really break it down, it's not the simple fact that they don't believe that players should get paid, and they try to hold this thing as um, college, uh, you know, um, student athletes, which is bullshit. Because it's a student athletes. How are you guys making an excess of billions of dollars? On student athletes, hundred million dollar annual sport. Not your school, your sports sport. complex, what is, bro. And we're just <laughs> talking about like the individual sports. We're not just talking about all sports together combined. We're well, saying individual, yeah. like soccer, football, basketball. Yeah, they all make their own individual nine sorts figure of athletic departments. Okay, so you know, moving and you navigate all that. It's never been about how and what they would actually perceive to pay the player. It would be the entitlement and empowerment that these players would have. And then the choice of, well, if I made all this money, 
I don't really need to go to the NFL. And I won't be as... You can think about it. These kids go hard in the paint to just make it because there's only a crop that even get to the NFL. Yeah. Our dear brother Adrian Ross speaks to us so much about how he, from Elk Grove High School, was pretty much an afterthought from Colorado State to even get into the NFL. Yeah. And he, with because of one career... Uh, turning injury wasn't able to finally get that that golden yeah, that, ticket. Yeah, and, but even before that, he went to Colorado State on an academic scholarship. There you go. So he was. So a, he was a smart dude. Yeah, but the but the thing is that people say that your your tuition is your salary. Yeah. Because they're like, well, if you play, you're being paid to get your education. Well, no, he had an academic scholarship, which means you could have just cashed him out. Because if you're going to say that the act that the tuition is your is your payment. Fine. He didn't go on an athletic scholarship. So whatever he would have grossed athletically, you should have been able just to just to flip it and fold him out. And they're like, uh, now nah, we, we can't do that because it's BS. But I think that's a great point to what you're saying. If you got to because think about this, if you're a, a marquee kid, your first year freshman first or even your second year uh, and you make X amount of millions or, or, or two million, let's call it two million between your, your plan and then endorsements, you may say, I want to stay in school. But I don't want to play sports anymore. So you take the money that you made from school to pay your tuition for the next two years and then be out like I got enough money now. I want to I want to go to school to be a business major or do business in finance, mm-hmm. go to school for another two years and just pay out the 50,000, 75,000, whatever it is a year to get to pay your own education. No student loans. You don't play sports anymore and then just go about your life mm-hmm. and you, you'll see that drastic number uh, of of kids. Um, yeah, there'd be no reason to go. Why? And then if you say, so let's remove the NFL. So say you go basketball. All those oh, one and dones. All those one and dones in college. Why? If your kid is, is a star on the basketball team, what are you worried about the, you know, eh, maybe I don't want to go. Maybe, maybe, maybe I just want, I can do five years because to be eligible in college is five. Yeah. You play five years in college. That's more than most professional sports cr- contracts. The average professional athlete only plays three. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, why would I leave college when I'm getting paid making millions to go to a league potentially that can cut me mm-hmm. after the first year, wave me, you know, get my body all beat up, get all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, th- it's not coincidence that there's a direct, you know, uh, network deal and all that split between the, the NCAA and the NFL and, and, and all these networks, you know, say it's, it's dirty. <laughs> the dirty game, but the dirty game is going to get celebrated on this Super Bowl day yeah. where the Patriots go for six. Um, I personally hope they, Tom Brady, I, you know, I particularly like to watch greatness and I hopefully gets it. I'm not a hater like that. I don't necessarily care about any of this stuff. I'm just, you know, a fan of just watching something, you know what I mean? And, and I'm not going to boycott the Super Bowl because I don't look at myself as I'm just like... I will speak on it and I will look at it and I'll say there's other things that we need to worry about. But here's the piece that I am on. It's if the players don't care, why should I care more when I know that they're being railroaded and they are, as like one of the owners said, the inmates in the in, 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 the, in the asylum or the prison. Yeah. And at the same time, I, I take the, 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 the lift of when the H&M scandal came out and the woman, the mother of that child who wore the monkey, she wasn't tripping. She didn't care. And like I said, to me, I out of, out of football this season, what I appreciated more than anything this past week, I don't care about who the two teams play in, 
Uh, shout out appreciation, T.O. making the Hall of Fame. Oh, so I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't yes. see. He so he made it. T- Terrell Owens and Ray, Moss, Randy Moss, and the murderer Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. That's a crazy little. Brian story. Dawkins. Brian Dawkins, the dude. Yeah. For, for, Bri- from Brian Philly. Erlach, right? And Brian Erlacher. That's, so, that's a heavyweight. That's a heavy class. That's a heavy so class. I was appreciative being a Bears fan. I was glad to see Erlacher get in okay. first ballot. To um, met him a couple times of all the interview with him with the Wall Street Journal. Not a bad dude. Not a bad dude. Randy Moss met him a couple times when he was here in Oakland. Uh, you know, I don't know Ray Lewis. He done some questionable stuff, whatever, from start to finish. But at, at, for, for football players, that is an extremely strong class. Brian Dawkins was a beast. He was the one that had the, the black visor playing in the secondary for Philly. He was a late of wood to you. Mm. You know, you, you came, you saw number 20 coming at you. You was about to feel the pain. Yeah. So uh, that's a hard hitting, hitting group there. But I mean, that's what I cared about. I was like, I saw the, the announcement. I was like, T.O. finally getting his gold jacket. Okay. That's going to be an interesting uh, interview, uh, not interview, but just interesting um, speech speech when he comes in. And like I say, less time on athletes and entertainers and more time on building Pacifics on what we need to do to channel the change in our community. I believe that's what needs to be the center. But at the end of the day. Folks gonna do what they gonna yeah, do. Yeah, or if if we're gonna make sports and entertainment our focus, then that's what we we need to run. Control this shit. That's what I'm saying. If, if we're gonna say that we're we're churning out musicians, we're churning out uh, singers, actors, we're sh- you know churning out ball players, whatever, then they need to be labels that we run and own, distribution that we're in charge of, content that we have the masters and ownership to the sports teams that 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 have. Us as owners in a league that we control, that are put through networks that we, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if that's what it's going to be, you know, then then I think on, on that respect, then fine. Yeah. Turn out all the athletes and entertainers you want because it all funnels right back in. Because uh, I think these are conversations that we need to have, that we need to address stuff, that we do need to carry what the next man and woman are going through, their, their position, and, and, and that we do need to get out these things that we think about so we don't repress and hold all this stuff in. Uh, if you want to go out there and get your Super Bowl on, get your Super Bowl on. If you're going to get your church on, get your church on. But whatever you are, whatever you're doing, when you see stuff happen out here in this life, don't only just see it with your eyes, but use your mouth and say something. Yes, sir. That's right. Say something podcast. Barry Axius, where can folks find you online? Barry Axius. Facebook, Barry Axius on uh, Twitter and IG. Still ain't back on Twitter, but I'll be back on there soon. IG is um, at Team Boy and, of course, Black Blueprints with a Z dot com. Get your Black Panther tee now on Black Blueprints with a Z.com exclusive limited edition. I got you guys. That's right. Jermaine Morris on Facebook. Every other social media platform is at CEO. Site is a moment with Morris.com. That's you can find links to the YouTube page to this podcast as well. It's on SoundCloud.com and on iTunes. All that sort of stuff. Say something podcast. I'm Jermaine Morris here with Barry Axius. Yeah. And until next episode, holla. we will holla at you later.